My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a PhD holding historian, a professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that makes legit, seriously researched American history come to life through entertaining stories. Join me for a chronological telling of the United States story, from the revolution to fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way from 1776 to the early 20th century. Listen to History That Doesn't Suck on Spotify. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. One, two, three. Hello. Okay. Hey, remember on the last show where we were kind of joking around and we talking about how we want to get out and do some live shows in the next few weeks, we were goading Zanies in Nashville to contact us. <laughs> well, we're going to Zanies in Nashville. So excited. We've got live shows <laughs> happening. Um, not only are we going to be doing Zanies in Nashville, um, and we do have a date, but we will tell you that in a, in a bit because we still are finalizing everything. Uh, but also, we're going to be doing a date in Huntsville, Alabama. Super excited for that. We've never been to Alabama before. And then we've got two other dates um, that we are looking at as well for uh, locations not in Tennessee or Alabama. Yeah, uh, but we're, we're thinking, you know, kind of uh, keeping it southeastern e yeah we may bleed into another quadrant late march early april we're hitting the road right we hope you can join us we're super jazzed we'll let you know as we bleed into another quadrant <laughs> i love doing live shows me too we had so much fun in new york a couple of months ago and it just really kind of whetted our appetite to get back on the road and i don't like that phrase at all what appetite the, the whetted our appetite look <laughs> Why? I don't know. It's like when you offer to give someone a taste of something that's not food. That bugs you? Ugh, yeah. I hate that. Yeah, you don't like the word moist either. No. Most who does? Don't. No one does. Most people don't. So my topic is about moist taste. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. No, Wetted it's not. moist mm -hmm. taste? Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing this press conference. It was a major announcement. Uh, in 1996, a group of scientists announced that they're had been life on Mars discovered. They discovered life on Mars. Do you remember this? No. It really happened. It was, I was in high school, so. Okay, you weren't sober. So um, in, <laughs> in 1996, a group of scientists found evidence of microscopic fossils of bacteria in a meteorite that originated from Mars and landed in Antarctica. They, the meteorite actually had been discovered in 1984, but in 1996, test results suggested that uh, the organisms originated on Mars, and it was huge, 
Huge news. Oh. Headlines all over the world. It was like the biggest story. Front page of all the major newspapers. Sure. CNN, all, you know, just everybody. Mars attacks. <laughs> yeah. Well, not quite that dramatic, but it was pretty dramatic. They discovered what they, you know, it was, okay, microscopic life, but... Life embedded in a in a Martian meteorite. Further study has raised questions as to whether or not the bacteria discovered was in fact Martian life or ancient Martian life. Some scientists say it resembles colonies of modern bacteria found here on Earth. However, it was embedded in a Martian meteorite. So basically, really where this whole thing stands right now is they're saying that the Martian meteorite contains organic molecules, but that does not necessarily uh, prove that there was life there. Okay. A lot of strange things have been found inside of meteorites. For example, a meteorite that was discovered 70 years ago was put to some tests last year at uh, the California Institute of Technology. They used um, an electron beam microscope, also an electron probe, to analyze this rock from space. They came across a very rare, previously unnamed material that is not formed here on Earth. Ooh. It does not naturally occur here. It was made up of a special pattern of iron and carbon atoms. The researchers had discovered a new mineral. They named it Edscottite. Now, the researchers theorize that the sample that this was taken from came from an asteroid that, quote, somehow got knocked off its course and headed to Earth. This, according to a senior staff scientist and mineralogist at Caltech. So previously undiscovered metals, that's cool. Other examples of strange things found in meteorites include pieces of a comet, which is not a common thing. Is it not? Oh, sorry. Jordan is approaching with our pizza order. <laughs> no, it's not that common. Another meteorite called 2018 TC3 was found to have chemical clues that hint at uh, the origins of the meteorite. Vicki Hamilton at the Southwest Research Institute in Boulder said, quote, Our surprising result suggests the existence of a large, water-rich parent body. Mm. Uh, they discovered a fragment of extremely rare hydrated crystals. This type of mineral comes from a different type of meteorite than the carbonaceous chondrite meteorites that we're familiar with. It's a, it's a whole different kind of thing. And it suggests that 2008 TC3 meteorite probably belonged to a much, much, much larger body than um, a, a standard meteorite, probably the size of a dwarf planet. Oh, wow. And it may have been located between the orbits of Mars and Jupiter, what's now the asteroid belt. Well, there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. I have a question, though. Does carbonaceous just mean very carbony? <laughs> yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, because that's how I would make a word. <laughs> no, it's carbonaceous, carbonaceous, carbonaceous. Yeah, something like that. I picture carbonated. It's like delicious uh, carbonated uh, meteorite. Lemon lime. <sighs> so the bottom line is that the interpretation of this is that the original parent body of this meteorite that they found probably was an unknown object, potentially 1,800 kilometers in diameter, that's no longer there. How do they know that it was so large if we only have a piece of it? Because of the type of chemical makeup of that particular fragment could not have been made in a smaller body. Wow. There is so much I don't understand. A dwarf planet, <laughs> basically, that once inhabited our solar system, but's no longer there. 
Now, these are unusual discoveries, but then there's this one. In an article written for Ancient Origins by David Bryant, he claims to have made a very strange discovery. David's the author of Space Rocks, which is a book available on Amazon, and he and his wife are the largest uh, meteorite dealers in the UK, buying and selling meteorites for over two decades. In this article, he talks about taking delivery of a parcel of meteorites that he ordered from uh, what he says is a very dependable regular source. The parcel was comprised of 20 different examples of a very well-known and highly sought-after crondite known as NWA-869. This meteorite... <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> no. I love NWA. Yeah, no, this stands for Northwestern Africa. Oh. Yeah, unfortunately, not one of your favorite rap groups from the late 80s. So these dealers of meteorites... Yeah. What would they do for a crondrite? <laughs> well, for this one, um, probably quite a bit. <laughs> this meteorite comes from a large field strewn with fragments in Northwest Africa. Again, NWA. It is very prized by collectors because most of the meteorites from this particular region are small, complete examples, not pieces, not fragments of a larger body that exploded mm -hmm. when it was entering the atmosphere. David explains the majority have an attractive, like, bluish-gray fusion crust, which sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and the fusion crust and their shape reflects the attitude of the fragment as it streaked downwards. And that's what they call orientation, like the way a spacecraft enters the atmosphere with the heat shield first. Right. You can actually see how the fragment was shaped on entry into the atmosphere. So he's going through these uh, meteorites that he bought, inspecting the samples, and then he saw one that appeared to be a little bit different. Was it a freak meteorite? Yep. It first caught his attention as a, like a metallic glint, but that's not that unusual because these types of meteorites often contain uh, nickel iron, and some even have metal flex, but this time it was highly irregular. It appeared to be a small metallic cylinder protruding from one of the sides of this meteorite. Oh. This specific metallic area, the cylindrical-shaped anomaly, was protruding at an angle from the fusion crust, which in places appear to be flowing away from the object in the meteorite. It also had a small impact crater on the surface, which is commonly seen on iron meteorites or spacecraft from their return orbit. The small metallic cylinder appears to be perfectly formed, uh, at least the, you know, the majority of it that is sticking out of the meteorite, and it's about uh, 6 millimeters or 0.2 inches in diameter. I, I looked at it, and it looks to me like changeable heads on an adjustable socket wrench. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just a little thing. It, pop it looks like that. Oh, okay. We're similar to it. So we sent a sample of this anomaly to be examined both microscopically and spectroscopically at the University of East Anglia. The preliminary results suggest that uh, this, str this strange cylindrical silver object is not comprised of any of the usual materials found in meteorites. So Brian's conclusion is that he has, in his mind, no doubt that the object was embedded in the NWA-869 meteorite and was in place as the meteorite entered Earth's atmosphere sometime in the past. So what do we have here? We have a meteorite 
that was formed several hundred million years before our planets were formed. And in it appears to be the top of a socket wrench <laughs> or something, some kind of, I don't know, perfectly formed cylindrical object about 0.2 inches in diameter. Do you have a photo that I can look at I do. so that I yep. can get a better idea of what you're talking about? Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. So I see what you're saying. Because it's all smooth and roundy, it doesn't look like it's naturally supposed to occur in that kind of... It looks like it was engineered. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. But yeah, no, it, I see what you're... It could be engineered. It could be. It sure, could be, sure. Sure. Ancient meteorite socket wrench theorists <laughs> do say yes. <laughs> so what's going on here? Um, who made it? Where did it originally come from before it became part of... Uh, before it became part of the solar solar nebula. Bryant, again, believes it's a realistic possibility that uh, the cylinder came from a planet that was orbiting a population two star that exploded as a, a supernova several billion years before our solar system was even formed. It's well known that many of these stars had planets. And there are many planets that we know of for sure. In fact, astronomers have discovered over 4,000 of them so far. The oldest of these stars were formed about 10 billion years ago, which is twice the age of our sun. How is that a thing even though? I don't even know. It seems possible then that uh, planets that were orbiting these population two stars perhaps had life evolve there and ultimately into civilizations under the proper conditions. And since they got such an early start, mm -hmm. billions of years before our sun was even formed, it could have reached, you know, a pretty significant point of uh, technologically advanced uh, civilizations. And so many of these early stars went supernova long before our star was even born. And if that happened, it would scatter all kinds of debris, planetary debris, stellar debris, and possibly archaeological debris into the galaxy. He concludes at the end of this article, quote, either we are alone, unique in the cosmos, or life, occur or, or life occurs whenever there is the slightest possibility of it, in which case we should expect to find alien artifacts within ancient meteorites. Okay, and so obviously you you're buying into this. Well, I think that, that there was an alien working on his car, right? Obviously, uh, like seven billion years ago, mm -hmm. and he just put the wrench down on the hood when his son went supernova, blowing his socket wrench into space. Mm -hmm. And that was an F type, or oh, the car he was working yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they had like F types then. They would probably use a different uh, alphabet, so it could have been any kind of type. different alphabet, sure. but still socket yeah. wrenches. An intergalactic socket wrench entered the atmosphere of Earth and plummeted into Northwest Africa NWA. Mm -hmm. You know, you just gave me real that thing you do, Steve Zahn vibes. <laughs> a man with a really cool camper. I'm signing. We're si we're all signing. <laughs> that thing you do, my favorite movie. I've watched it fifty times. It's true. Yeah. Anyway. The sources for my information came from uh, Ancient Origins, Live Science, Science Alert, The New York Times, and Wikipedia. I think it's a cool concept. I'm not saying that that's what that is, uh -huh. but it probably is. I'm not <laughs> saying that it is. No, of course. But it is. Right. Um, 
But just the idea, the concept that on ancient stars, there were planets that orbited them that were long enough, uh, was long enough ago so that their civilization uh, not only flourished long past where we've reached as far as technology goes, but then was subject to a supernova and everything that they did was kind of blasted into space mm -hmm. and some of it survived in meteorites. Mm-hmm. Like a craftsman socket wrench. And now, that thing in the middle. When George Washington retired in 1787, they threw him a farewell party. And the bar bill still survives to this day, intact and legible. According to the bill, the founding fathers drank 54 bottles of Madeira, 60 bottles of Claret, 8 bottles of whiskey, 22 bottles of porter, eight bottles of hard cider, 12 bottles of beer, and seven bowls of alcoholic punch. And there were only 55 people there. George Washington, ladies and gentlemen, the father of our country. I want to party with that dude. This podcast is so fresh out of the oven, we had to use audio oven mitts to upload it. And did you notice they go with my apron? This is The Box of Oddities. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Are you interested in the parts of history that remain a mystery? Do you want to learn more about the historical myths and misconceptions used to prop up false belief today? I'm Nathaniel Lloyd. In my podcast, Historical Blindness, I delve into all of these topics, sharing puzzling tales from the past and examining hoaxes, conspiracy theories, and misremembered events that provide insight into modern politics and religion. Find out what's real and what's not when it comes to famous conspiracy theories, like those surrounding notorious assassinations and secret societies. Discover the weak and deceptive underpinnings of modern political ideologies and religious beliefs. Join me as I attempt to shed some light on our historical blind spots. New episodes every two weeks. Find Historical Blindness on most podcast players and platforms. The Box of Oddities. 
with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. We got an email from Marin at curator at theboxofoddities.com. Kat and Jethro. By the way, some of this email I'm going to just just omit. I'm just going to skip right over it like they didn't write it. Oh, is this, the, gonna... is this the email that we just got where she talks about how she desperately wants to be your best friend? Anyway, um, <laughs> so she said some things and then um, they go on to talk about how uh, she's a truck driving mom of three. I drive a milk truck for my dad who is finishing up a couple years long bout of cancer. Everything looks clear as of his last scan, though. Yay! Woot woot! I work 4 a.m. to 12 p.m. most days, so I have a lot of time to listen. When I first found your podcast and I heard the intro with the curator saying the unexpected, I immediately I immediately thought of VeggieTales. VeggieTales? Let me explain. My oldest is 10 and my youngest is 2, so I've had many years of kids shows, one of which is VeggieTales. I don't agree with the religious aspect of the show, but it is great and funny for teaching littles about being a good person. Larry the Cucumber has a bit in one of the episodes about things being funny because they are unexpected. And I can't (laughs) not hear him saying it when your intro plays. It gives me a giggle. I'm attaching a link of him saying it to prove I'm not totally insane. (laughs) And I watched it and now it is funny. Marin then goes on to say other things and then closes the email. Thank you, Marin. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks, Marin. And yeah, I agree with you. Kat's awesome. Mm. She's great. And uh, should you be lucky enough to be her BFF, you would find life far more complete. <laughs> I know I have. Enough. Whore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What you got for me? Today, I want to talk about coconut-related world records. Okay. (laughs) God, there's so many options for titles in this episode. You know how I kind of get into rabbit holes sometimes? Sometimes. And I was like, how many world records do you think I can find that are related to coconuts? (laughs) This was the question that you had in your mind when when you... Okay. Yep. I was in the bath Uh um, having a soak because I've got an irritated labia. So I started going down this rabbit hole of coconut-related world records, and there are some really interesting ones. Okay. Mohammad Rashid from Pakistan holds the record for smashing the maximum number of green coconuts with his head Ooh. in one minute. Oh, my God. What's the record? Now, when you say smashing, you mean like opening them? Yeah. Okay. How many? 35. He opened 35 green coconuts on his head? On his head. In a minute? In one minute. What? Yeah. That defies the laws of physics. Now, if we're talking about hand smashing of Mm, coconuts, mm. well, Ashid Dominic of India holds that record. He smashed the most coconuts with one hand in one minute with a record of 122 coconuts smashed. Holy crap. In the previous record remained unbroken for five years. <laughs> so this is quite the feat. Wow. In Mexico, they broke the record of the largest coconut candy. It measures 459 feet and was made to celebrate the coconut festival in Velacruz State in Mexico in 1998. How long? 459 feet. Wow. Or 140 meters. Now, you might say if you've got uh, coconut treats, of course you're going to be doing the coconut eats, right? Uh I rhymed. 
please don't leave me. <laughs> I don't know after that one. But the world record of the most people eating coconut sweets simultaneously was broken by Nagar Parishad from India. India. Again, they dominate coconut-related sports. They do. On January 25th, 2017, under the leadership, and I'm sure it was very careful and kind leadership, of Ms. Madolika Tanted, 5,555 people ate coconut sweets simultaneously (laughs) at a single location. Ah, another record. Now, if we're talking about just regular old coconuts, like what's going on with coconuts? Like Mm. which specific coconut holds those world records? Well, in this case, the world record of smallest coconut was achieved by Mr. Utam Malvi from India. Uh In December of 2017, Mr. Malvi exhibited the smallest coconut. It weighed Approximately (laughs) 1.390 grams. Holy crap. Yeah, little baby. Little tiny baby coconut. But there's got to be an opposite side to that, right? Right. The largest coconut. Okay, so unique and very rare. The largest coconut dubbed with various names. The sea coconut, the coco de mer, the love nut. The ladies' butt coconut, <laughs> the cocoa phrase, the double coconut, and the Seychelles nut. The weight of this specific coconut, we're going to call it ladies' butt coconut, obviously. Of course. Uh, can exceed 20 to 42 kilograms. Wow. Is this in India again? Because they're renowned for their steroid use in uh, in the India major coconut leagues. Is that why they can't make it into the Hall of Fame? Right. Yeah. They will never vote in. Let Pete Rose in. He had nothing I'm to do just with steroids. Saying. Pete, Pete was just a gambler. I was... know. And he wasn't even gambling on his own games. Yeah, well. Anyway. Yeah. These what, are what some big Bar- butt coconuts. What about Barry Bonds? Nah. What about Roger Clemens? I don't care about Roger Clemens. All I care about is David Ortiz. Uh, uh, uh. Which, Wasn't by it the so way. so sweet how Pedro was with him when he got the call? It really was. Oh my gosh, I loved it. And, and, and Ortiz has been known to hit home runs in excess of 459 feet, the length of that largest coconut candy. (laughs) It all comes back full circle. It does, yep. Now let's get back to smashing. Okay. Two people set the Guinness World Record for smashing the most number of coconuts kept around a person while blindfolded. (laughs) (laughs) This is the thing that I love about world records is they can be so specific and weird. Uh That's why we can do an entire topic on coconut-related world records. In this case, one of the men was the smasher, and one of the men was laying on the ground mm-hmm. with a blindfold on, surrounded by coconuts. <laughs> I don't know how they chose which one would do which part, but I know which one I would want, right? personally. Mm-hmm. I think you and I share the same idea there. So we'd have to get different partners. Yeah. <laughs> well, in this case, Prabhakar Reddy P smashed 49 coconuts that were set around his student to set that record. So the student lying on the ground mm-hmm. had a blindfold on. That's correct. Did the smasher have a blindfold on? <laughs> they were both blindfolded. Shut up, really? Yeah. Oh my God, I'm, I'm into that. that. See, that's why you want to be the smasher and not the smashy. Yeah. I wonder how they divide the winner's purse up. 
I would think that the smashy should get the the lion's share of it, don't you? Well, that I mean, you could go the other way and saying the smasher held most of the responsibility in making sure that the other one wasn't a smashy. Yeah, but I would rather be the smasher. And I think oh, most course. people would. Absolutely. And so you, you deserve less money for that. Because you wanted it? No, because your skull won't end up a bloody pulp at the end of the competition. Right. But being the smasher... I mean, there's so much pressure. And if you did smash someone's head instead of a coconut, oh, you'd have to live with that forever. It'd be awful. Oh, that's right. Yeah. If you had your head pummeled in by a sledgehammer, you're not going to know it. Yep. Good point. He said, his words dripping with sarcasm. Oh, look at you, you snarky poet. You're a snarky poet. And then finally, this is my final coconut related (laughs) world record. Oh. The record for the largest coconut ensemble playing their coconuts to the tune of Monty Python's Always Look on the Bright Side of Life were 5,877 coconut players. So were they just, they had halves of coconuts and they they were were banging them together. Banging them together. Yeah. Interesting. Because they could have created like some sort of a woodwind instrument. Yeah. Or a a stick hitty instrument. Yeah. Percussive. Well, banging them together would be percussive right but you could hit them with a stick and that would be more of a drum kind of situation rather than a cymbals kind of situation yeah and if you were banging on a woman's butt is that the name of the uh large coconut the lady's butt yeah lady's butt you'd get like a almost like a a, a timpani effect anyway there's some coconut related world (laughs) records for you (laughs) you're welcome people yep so please come and see us when we go hit up our live shows. I'm yeah. so excited. Yeah, yeah. So, so far we've got uh, Nashville, and Hunts, Nashville, Tennessee, and Huntsville, Alabama. And uh, there's going to be at least two more shows added, maybe three. We'll see. I, I vote two. I get tired easily these days. <laughs> well... If we break them up enough. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but we'll keep you posted. Oh, and I did want to say thank you so much and welcome to Georgia, Amy, you and Jessica, our new patrons. If you want to become a patron, we'd love to have you. Ad-free episodes, lots of advantages, lots of uh, special things like Zoom meetings. Well, it, it depends on what level that you indoctrinate yourself into. <laughs> but join the Order of Freaks. You can find the link on our website, theboxofoddities.com. And we really appreciate the support. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly proudly, beautiful freak. That felt weird. That was really... It's like we're sleeping on the wrong side of the bed. I know, it's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Box of Oddities Podcast On Twitter at Box of Oddities And Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast Copyright 2022 All rights reserved love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring well look no further and join me katie charlwood your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as i delve into unsolved historical mysteries murders by gaslight 
and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.